0: welcome back to the magic of the spheres podcast this is sabrina monarch and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution i'm an evolutionary astrologer a clairvoyant and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, everyone! I want to share some thoughts on the full moon in Sagittarius that's happening on June third, twenty twenty three. So, leading up to the full moon, we're always going to be feeling it, feeling the mood building and rising, the um, activations, the tensions, the juiciness of it is all building and growing. And so for this one, what I'm feeling is that it's about turning hunger into a wish, right? Like the growing mood is about wanting more from life or likewise wanting to bring more of ourselves out into life. It might be something external that we've placed our desire on of like, we want something from life, but often there is a mirror image of what it is that we need to bring out of ourselves or open inside of ourselves to meet or contact that external wish right so it's either going to be we want more from life we want more from ourselves i noticed a distinct ceremony in my own life um, that was just happening spontaneously the last few days Um, and i really got clarity about it as i started to tune into the full moon so i'm going to call it the wish ceremony and it goes like this starting in the morning i notice an internal rumbling of discomfort around wanting something that I don't feel I have. This full moon is ruled by Jupiter in Taurus, who is conjunct the North Node in Taurus. This is all about voracious hunger and desire, really. The exaggerated sense of not having or of wanting that drives pursuit. Hold on, I'm walking around to find some shade. Oh, I see some. This is my new thing, like recording outside. You may have heard. (laughs) Okay. Let me go back so this full moon is ruled by jupiter and taurus who's conjunct the north node and taurus currently right so this is going to be voracious hunger and desire really which is a taurus theme right hunger um wanting to be fed by life and and you know wanting to feed pleasure wanting to grow something wanting to grow our possessions but it's also really the north node the north node is about things coming into being rahu you know has this kind of quality of of wanting more right there's a a definite hunger with that signature and jupiter exaggerates things so there's an exaggerated sense at the moment of not having or of wanting that drives a pursuit right of going and getting or of receiving and then there's a dramatic sense of satiation or fulfillment upon tasting the desire once it's realized So think essentially, if we boil that down, it's like you really want something and then you meet it and there's like this life-affirming expansive quality that happens from something invisible becoming visible, right? Like feeling the desire and then seeing it manifest does this thing. Um, And I think it it would be worth noting to like actually really spiritualize that, that it's not about like, yeah, gimme and like, yeah, like... I have it now like of course I do like it's not about like an entitlement it's more about like the the richness of taking in what it is that we've wished for and that we now have and then it's important to note also that hunger can feel exaggerated with Jupiter and the North Taurus right now the extraness of it promotes a confrontation with desire instead of you know brushing it off or overriding it there might be voices of like, that's not really important or like, it's fine, it's whatever. And like the hunger, like that's getting stirred up to actually be like, no, like face this thing, face what you want. This is really different, I think, in terms of um, like addiction or maybe places where we compulsively want. Um, that's not necessarily what I'm encouraging. I think I would encourage in that case, like what is the, the more tender or vulnerable desire underneath the, the flashy one? Then, you know, after having this rumbling discomfort, there's something I want that I don't have. Um, I'm in conversation with my friend Carla because I'm like living with her right now. We're working together on ecstasies. I'm in Austin, Texas with her, staying with her, right? So we're talking all the time. I tell her these things and in conversation, I understand the depth of my impasse and clarify it into a wish. This is very gemini-sagittarius axis right like conversation that stirs a clarity that stirs a direction conversation being gemini the clarity or direction or wish being sagittarius always remember that every full moon is a sun and moon opposition right that's the the peak fullness of the light of the moon it's lit by its opposite sign. so full moon and sagittarius automatically you know we just know the sun is in gemini always know that pattern okay um but then by the end of the day my wish has been granted in some form that it possibly can be granted in one day right so sometimes wishes they have a a deeper timeline like it's something that you want out of life in the bigger picture or maybe it's like a little desire of like how you want to feel that day but whatever it is the wish is granted in the best possible way it can be granted in one day That's what I've experienced. And at the end of the day, I'm laughing, I'm delighted. I'm feeling so expanded and directly communicated with by life. I'll share an example in a moment here, but after it happened a couple of days in a row, I understood the pattern. I was like, the genie is active. The wish is active, right? The hunger and the fulfillment is happening. This is a direct invitation from life to make wishes And see what happens and really not just to make a wish and to sit back but to feel the empty bowl before it's filled up to watch a spiritual impulse become materialized so story time I will share a particular example of one of my wish ceremony days on this particular wish ceremony I felt a desire to take up more space with opinions It's a very Sagittarius vibe, by the way, a very Sagittarius, like reaching toward the full moon and Sagittarius impulse, right? I got suddenly exasperated with a part of me who leaves uncomfortable things unsaid, who works to create peace and smoothness, who avoids debate because she can't be bothered. I actually have a certain talent, you know, I know how to create um, works of art, of writing, where I really smooth everything through my own nervous system the point where I'm not triggered by it at all. Um, And on the other hand, what does it mean to actually kind of lean into sharing something on the internet that has an edge, right? Like I think part of maybe where I got this like smooth approach was that there is a way that the algorithm or like that you know, human kind of like addiction, like really feeds off the flames of like polarizing content. And I just felt honestly, a certain kind of superiority of like, I'm above that. Like I'm creating glistening, like offerings that enhance life and that don't have to uh, activate and poke people. Right. So I actually kind of looked down on like this kind of fiery way of being and after really promoting that smooth Venusian um, part of me for so long, my, my muscles at debate or at being polarizing or being controversial actually kind of I felt were like weakened. And so I wanted to get back in touch like when the truth matters or like when it matters to be a leader when I need to stand up for something like I want to be sharper in this area of my life and it was starting to hurt right and so mentally I was scanning for the drama what I had to say right now that would be so feather ruffling and I didn't actually feel that much which was confronting like I was like I I'm gonna start tuning in like what am I overriding what am I overlooking etc But I did sense one thing, which was my unusual take on mental illness. Carla asked me also in this conversation, you know, what I was opinionated about. And I said, mental illness, the way it gets crystallized into an identity, the way people believe in it, the way the mainstream worldview understands depression and mania. You may know this about me or not. If you've been here with me for a while, you you probably know. But I had a spiritual awakening tinged with psychosis and mania when I was 21 years old. It was a lot of energy and psychic opening all at once. Like I was just suddenly online, like in ways I had not been. And by online, I mean parts of my own body, spiritual system lit up, right? And I didn't have the frameworks to integrate all of that at the time. And I was unhinged. I, you know, had a dream of pure white light and birds singing, and it told me to speak the truth all the time without filter, and it would set me free, which um, kind of has a Sagittarian vibe to it, speaking the truth. But I took the dream's advice, you know, among other things. I was also in love with an ex-CIA agent and um, stopped going to class to, like, hang out all the time with this ex-spy, and I was um, suddenly just, like, able to read people's minds or Like parts of my personality came out that hadn't been active before. And in this kind of truth speaking all the time without filter, um, I had a certain kind of charisma or boldness about me that was magnetizing to some people. And I was getting the feedback that, you know, you're going to be famous someday. Like people wanted my autograph and like weird stuff. But then my family thought that there was something majorly wrong. Okay, time to walk for noise control. <laughs> um, so my family thought that something was really wrong, and they intervened. I ended up um, having to deal with that, right? I never believed in the psychiatric narrative or the diagnosis that I was given, but I was, you know, financially dependent. My parents were putting me through college, and the the main path laid out before me, unless I just wanted to completely break out on my own, which was scary to me was to fake my way through the psychiatric thing, the outpatient treatment. That being said, you know, I faked my way through the system. And afterwards, upon earning my freedom through lying to the psychiatrist and my family and saying all the right things, you know, I understand I'm manic, I want to get better. You know, I, I agree with my diagnosis, etc, etc. Because I had tried to argue about my perspectives and the visions that I had and that was not working out for me. Essentially, after I got out of that situation, I resolved to integrate all the things I'd touched in the awakening and the mania into my everyday life, right? Because I had such a spiritual experience inside of what was labeled as this um, mental break. I saw things that I could not unsee. They were so real to me um, in a way that it made sense that maybe people around me didn't get it but i trusted that i could sort it out um, and whatnot i radically healed and integrated that experience right i talk all about this on the second episode of this podcast but i integrated that experience through astrology conceptually through my body and my body's capacity to hold really big emotions and to um, regulate better and also my relationship with spirit Believing in my experience in the face of being systematically regarded as mentally unstable and delusional was a really big initiation for me, right? Like I held myself through that and I didn't take on the, what I feel is like the psychiatric narrative is like a web and I didn't get caught in it for good. I went on to form my own perspectives about what mental illness is from a spiritual or energetic perspective. I also understand how the so-called bipolar condition you know, the swing from extremes, the depression and mania lives in my natal chart and the deeper personality and karmic patterns that was feeding that and how I could change my life at a structural level, how I could learn to process my emotions in real time, how I could stop feeding the repression that was feeding the mania, how I could um, be able to hold and like let big emotions move through me without it getting siphoned into certain ego parts that hijack it in in wild ways. So I really just learned how to understand my own system, right? And also I started having, you know, these gifts, like I see um, lights that look like little stars that validate resonance. So I was full on also seeing things at like a spiritual level and not buying into like, oh, you know, this is a hallucination, etc. So I formed my own perspectives about wellness really from a spiritual and energetic perspective and it contrasts the mainstream or psychiatric narrative of what these experiences are and so that was the one thing the major thing of like mental illness that's that's a place that I can be really um, polarizing about like I can be soft about it but I can also be like no like clinical depression isn't what people say it is like there's often like patterns or things that feed it that can actually be changed and healed and then the depression goes away or like you learn how to live with the cycles of the down and you know like I can go into it and that night wishing to activate a fiery and opinion part opinionated part of me um, because she felt a little bit too dormant that very night I end up at a barbecue in Austin Texas with Carla sitting with a group of around eight of us So we were first speaking about different cities, all these different cities, San Francisco, Austin, LA, New York, Mexico City, what it was like living in them, um, what the cities, how they've changed, you know, this and that kind of like a group small talk. And Carla and I had also talked about ecstasies, the Dionysian mythopoetic ritual experience that we're hosting in Greece in June. When we were all introducing ourselves and why we were here, and I was explaining, you know, why why I'm here with Carla right now. And eventually, after kind of this this talk about the cities and whatnot, a man across from me asked about ecstasies again, like he was considering it. He was there with his girlfriend and I said, couples are welcome. He says, I can't this June. Residents are not allowed to leave in June at all. Resident of what? Psychiatry. I start dying laughing inside. Part of the Dionysian is losing our minds, I say. The psychiatrist got a little uncomfortable with the joke, like he got it, but didn't exactly find it funny. And I mean, I get it. It's a little hard for an outsider to make an industry joke that lands for the insider. But the joke wasn't really for him. I was enjoying myself at this point. I went on to tell the whole group of eight people that I'd actually been manic before, and I integrated it. Faked my way out of psychiatric outpatient treatment and my whole philosophy on the thing. You know, what I did with the mania after, how that energy of wild life force is actually still really important to me and something that I've learned how to hold better. My heart was racing just a little as everyone dropped in and really listened to my story. Up until that moment, I'd hardly said a word because I didn't have anything to say. Then I was right there in the fire telling all these people I'd just met, like, yeah, I was manic before. People who are manic can really ruin their lives, the psychiatrist said. And it is a physical brain condition. The confrontation I had with authority at the time really gave me pause, I said. And I found integration after in my study of astrology and learning how to participate in reality better with the new parts of me that came online. But I didn't go on to randomly freak out as they told me I would. I swore off psychiatric drugs and haven't taken them since I was 21. I learned how to assimilate the medicine of the manic moment into my entire vision of life and what was possible for me and I built a life out of that awakening. The barbecue started to become a lively conversation about alternate therapies, alternate ways of looking at reality and a few of the women got really alive and sharing these things and the psychiatrist kept a stern kind of approach about it asking us questions but really like bringing in the kind of like the authority of the psychiatric institution, saying things like this isn't accepted by the American Psychiatric Association and whatnot. Carla goes in also saying outright I disagree and like laying it out in the conversation and then by the end of the conversation walking out saying to Jake, we'll call him Jake, Jake's just perfect. Jake has no problems throwing her hands up in response to Jake's authoritative stance on reality and what mental illness is. Carla and I laughed so much that night about it all, the clear wish fulfillment to be more opinionated and fiery, the way it happened to lead to a barbecue with a psychiatrist in training sitting across from us when mental illness and the psychiatric worldview was the first thing I named that morning as the place that I can be controversial. The way we were fiery, not polite the way we made a new friend that night who was feeling us and living for the fire magnetized and herself feeling called to ecstasies. I noticed too that I felt more alive and embodied being with the truth of that kind of social polarity in that moment than just kind of being like polite smiling and nodding like whatever and it's honestly like I, um, I've had several of these interactions with psychiatrists. I've had, you know, been out close after the whole experience when I was 21 and met this psychiatrist at a party who was kind of like attracted to me and wanted to date me. And I, we went out one time um, and I was telling him my vision about how people that have these conditions like can actually really radically change their lives or like integrate the the medicine of this part of them and he was like no but like life is bad and we just gotta medicate it away like that's just the situation and I could feel him being like enchanted by my perspective but not being able to go there and I think that you know psychiatrists um, they are invested like any profession right if you put money and time and identity and all this stuff into your training, into um right, your education, into your degree, into your license, um, you're gonna defend that reality to a degree. And my issue, you know, with psychiatry is just the way that it doesn't always have space. It's not like Stanislav Grof as a psychiatrist is like gold, you know. He started out in the most barbaric parts of psychiatry with like electric shock therapy and whatnot but he goes on to do like LSD psychotherapy and studying and integrating astrology and I just think that when psychiatry can't hold magic or a spiritual worldview and it takes people having spiritual openings as being purely delusional and wants to just medicate them and tone them down and doesn't actually have a type of consciousness to understand what they're going through and how to support it like on the other hand mental illness um moments of mania or psych you know psychotic breaks could be understand as the body having a kind of fever there was like a story I learned about from um kind of the people in Stanislav Grof's community where a woman who would had like a kind of traumatic childhood or a particular trauma of like how her parents died when she was young that she was kind of quiet and meek and gentle And then she had a manic episode and she was suddenly really opinionated and fiery and psychic and just telling it how it was, you know, and that her friends um, held vigil for her in a hotel room, constantly babysitting her. The news was not on. She had no access, but she knew news stories like she was psychic about what was happening in the world. And instead of committing her, um, they just held And let the fever of this awakening and this energy that was moving through her, this repressed, stuck energy, um, they let it happen and they protected her and she kind of she integrated it after. Right. So there are other ways to approach people's big, unusual, out of the ordinary experiences. And my issue with psychiatrists is when they are so rigid um, and not spiritual and yet they have the authority to um to medicate right and also just use that authority to um tell someone that their mystical reality isn't real and let's just drug it out of you that's really what bothers me and so when i meet psychiatrists at social functions um those are maybe the main archetype of person you can find me picking a little bit of a fight with, or not even picking the fight, but just by being the way I am and having the perspectives I have, um, some tension emerges and I'm okay with that. (laughs) But you know, something that I've noticed from every day of the wish ceremony is that it's tender to feel the desire or the sense of lack around it. There's loud bugs here in Texas. (laughs) Maybe you heard that. And that also, I don't have to believe that this is where the story ends. The lack of consciousness can feel so devastating and all-consuming in moments. Yet I watched my various empty cups fill right up, almost as evidence that the universe is listening and participating with me, right? And I didn't want to just be a troll or pick a fight in some kind of like frivolous way. There was a deeper thing inside of me of like, I want to wake up the fire in me right I've I know how to be in the water I know how to be smooth like it's time to bring in some edge I need that in my life and then it was granted that night even we didn't even have plans by morning time to go to that barbecue we got invited later in the day it's perfect so I break it down the wish ceremony to the Torian Mysteries of Reception Remembering here that Jupiter, Sagittarius's ruler and the ruler of the full moon lunation is currently in Taurus as we know. Identifying that we want something or want more of something is a first step to expansion. First step inside of expansion. It's the knowing and felt sensation that what we want sorry, it's the knowing and felt sensation that we want to stretch or move beyond what already is. So may we have the fortitude and faith to recognize these hungry moments as the erotically vulnerable moments that they are. Consider where your desire can become a wish. Wishes take us on journeys. Sometimes these are longer pilgrimages or quests. Other times it's just a day where an invisible stirring becomes a visible manifestation later on. Wishes are an invitation to stretch beyond what currently is. Once we've identified and held ourselves inside of the desire, life has a way of moving inside of us and outside of us to draw us closer to that thing. It's not entirely passive, but it's about cultivating receptivity, cultivating capacity to have. The vulnerability of my desire, the ache and the confrontation of them sharply brings me to a place in myself that is willing to change, that is willing to be humbled, that is willing to feel. It is not entitled, it feels the desire and is pierced open by it. Maybe the enormity of our hunger is humbling in the way it prompts us to become more of ourselves. Maybe it's humbling in the way it strips off the fake layers of okayness or indifference or any other complicated or simple mechanism we've constructed to not feel the deeper thing. What are you truly hungry for? This Sagittarius full moon, it won't just be about going out and getting it, but paving the space and willingness inside to receive it. And what a life affirming and magical and expansive experience to feel the universe respond to our wishes and desires. Ecstasies, a Dionysian mythopoetic ritual experience in Crete, Greece, is close approaching. It is June 21st to 25th but you are still welcome to join us this is a beautiful frequency we're creating a living storybook inside of the myths of dionysus ariadne and the minotaur and others to explore this question or this experience in our bodies of how do we open to the bigger life right like part of where i come from with peak experience is that i see it as a medicine right peak experience can be challenging to integrate because it is so different than the rest of our lives but there's often to me I feel like this Jupiterian Bacchus like Dionysian thing inside of peak experience where it shows us a bigger life it shows us these big feelings that we're capable of and then it's not just about going back to life like that was all a dream and it never happened it it's an awakening that can restructure how we approach life right or how how committed we are to the truth inside of us and the the things that bring us closer to that sense of belonging in the universe so we're doing this carla and i um, this collaboration where we are working these astrological archetypes and these myths these greek myths together and turning it into embodiment ceremonies carla is an embodiment guide and Various ceremonies with um, our bodies, the land, the water. We will have a private villa in Crete. We have a Greek chef, a local chef, cooking delicious, amazing food for us, and we are going to be playing and luxuriating and opening. It is such a beautiful frequency. I'm so excited to invite you. You can send me an email, Sabrina at monarchastrology.com, with your desire, and we'll get on a call with you. Thank you.